It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 31st of July. The Jazz play, the Jazz win, and we break down a basketball game. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz NBA insider for the first time since like March 9th or 10th. We get to break down a actual basketball game. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Thank you very much for tuning into the program. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, and I hope you subscribe on iTunes and give us nice reviews. Or if you want to do it on Spotify and give us a follow, we greatly appreciate it. We being me, myself, and I. Oh, how fun was that last night? The Jazz played basketball, and we got to watch, and we got to cheer, and we got to go down to the wire, and we got to go crazy late and worry about various big plays and moments and forget all other things that are taking place and uh, just awesomeness just completely great awesomeness uh to see them play and be out there and have fun uh thanks so much uh for just your energy you gave me I gotta be honest I was I was uh I don't want to get into it too much but I just wasn't like I wasn't engaged I wasn't back I was trying and uh I had a phone call with one of my closest friends, uh, I've actually referenced her before. She's actually been battling cancer for three years now. And she just kind of set me straight and your energy set me straight. And it was nice to be back calling a game. Uh, and hopefully it was great for you to be back cheering and, and being after it. So let's dig in. It's a good win. Uh, it's really a good win. It's hard to tell exactly what you, what, what you need to do in the bubble. But if you kind of set the goal as not being the eight the seventh seed because you don't want to play the Lakers or Clippers I could make a pretty good argument that actually I want the Clippers now like if you're trying to get to the Western Conference Finals and that's your goal um or if your goal is the second round you don't want the Clippers if your goal is to get to the Western Conference Finals then I would actually want the Clippers in the first round that's when they're going to be most vulnerable with just Lou Williams coming off his stuff and Montrezl Harrell not being back and them not having a rhythm it's still a long way away but it's clear watching them last night, they're great, but that they that would be their rhythm. And they're not a terrible matchup for us because they keep Rudy near the rim. Nonetheless, you know, if you look at it, we, we come into this thing and we're now three games ahead of the Mavericks. So we were two and a half games ahead of the Mavericks at 40. They're 40 and 27. We are 41 and 23. And, you know, if you're two and a half games, that means they have to get three games better than you. So if you win three, they've got to go, they got to be six and two. While nobody else you know, does anything worse, right? So my feeling is if we could get three, we have a pretty good chance of not being seventh. Um, if if we got four, they have to go seven and one. And then again, if we get four, it means that everybody else has to go six and two or so. Um, so I feel like if we, you know, we can get three or four wins here, then we avoid the seventh seed and, and you the seeding games are a success. So last night was 
a pretty mammoth one, particularly, you know, if you look at the schedule, the Spurs twice, we're not sure what their engagement level will be there. There's some tough ones in there. Oklahoma City will probably be a real uh, tough one to handle coming up here. But in the in the other sense that you've got, you've got, got one. So that's big. Uh, and, and I think bigger in the sense we are really outplayed for 39 of the 48 minutes. But what it got down to is the core fundamental of who the Jazz know that they are, believe that they are, understand what they're trying to do as a team. And we saw that late, that they, well, New Orleans just kind of plays this this up and down transition style uh, where they're, you know, they're a beast. They've got incredible talent and incredible players, but when it gets right down to it and it got to, you know, fourth quarter play-by-play or possession-by-possession, they, they don't know exactly what they're doing and where they're going, and we know exactly what we're trying to do and what we're doing, and we saw that evidently late, and that's what swung the game. I and mean, we go to timeout with 6.22 left, and the Jazz are down 96-89. That game should be over. And instead, you know, somehow the Jazz are able to work their way back through that. Clarkson hit a big three right out of the timeout. Quinn was unbelievable yesterday out of timeouts. The Jazz success rate out of timeouts yesterday was through the roof. And then, you know, Clarkson with a gorgeous give to Rudy on a beautiful play, understanding how they are. Holiday turns it over. And now the Jazz suddenly, you know, Ingram hits one of two free throws, I think it was, or maybe it was a technical free throw. Um, Royce gets a great layup from Conley. Donovan buries a shot. Next thing you know, we've got the lead by the 409 mark. And then we just knew how to play and and they did and frankly they're 28th in the league in offense in the clutch they're 29th 8th in the league defensively in the clutch they're 29th overall in the clutch they're brilliantly talented when you prep the pelicans you feel like you're prepping a team that's 40 and 12 they have so much skill and they just don't win um and it's because we know who we are as a team and I, i i'm not sure that they do we'll walk through those later in the show today we're gonna walk through those kind of key moments a little bit more uh, in depth. I thought there was some some cool stuff to watch and and some essence of why we're we're good. So I don't want to, you know, go I'm going to go third third segment today. I'm going to go play by play a little bit on, on some of that. Uh, I I would say this um the I thought we left a lot of opportunities on the board though, quite honestly. Um you know, if you look at that fourth quarter, you've got Mike Conley had an open th- you're not going to be perfect on every possession. But Mike Conley has a wide-open three that felt pretty big at the time that doesn't go. Rudy Gobert makes a pretty questionable play. He gets the rebound uh, for as great as he was. Rudy gets the rebound in a 102-102 game with 125 left and decides to bring the ball up the floor and turns it over. I mean, we're up 102-99. Donovan misses a layup in the fast break, which, I mean, it happens, but it did feel like that was a pretty big opportunity to go up five. Then Reddick hits the three. Conley gets a wide-open three to answer, and we miss it, and then Rudy turns it over. And luckily, Brandon Ingram does not very clutch down the stretch and hasn't been this year. He's great against us in a big game, but not in the final minutes. And he missed a three. And then late in the game, boy, when he did not give the ball to J.J. Redick, woo, dog, that one was right there. Woo, doggy. That is a tough call. Um, But despite that, you know, the fact that we still prevailed runs to that we know who we are and how to play and what we're trying to get done inside of a game. And I think that, 
that was probably the, the, the most obvious part about that game to me is that they have their style and frankly, it doesn't, doesn't come out to wins. And we just kept powering through the game, understanding who we are and how to play and eventually started to make the plays. The, the other ones we'll get into is Rudy was amazing. I mean, Rudy, Rudy really was truly remarkable. We'll touch on that. Uh, when we continue, Jazz get their first win, a two-pointer over the Pelicans. Boy, those have been some great games this year. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. I'm driving the Sonata right now. As I think I've shared with you, I get it like for about fourth. It, it's like getting close. I don't want to tell them. I love that car. It's so great. Drives itself. Great look. Pretty buzzy. Quick around uh great price super space like we threw two pairs of golf clubs and push carts in it the other day in the trunk with plenty of space um i love that car and i i don't i'm gonna have to find a way to not turn it in uh the suv lineup is terrific the the little kona zips around for you the tucson and the santa fe and then the big palisade a great suv lineup if you're looking for a car right now Put Hyundai on the list. At least check out what you can get for the dollar with Hyundai compared to other places. It's pretty remarkable. Do it at 4646 South State Street. Also in Logan and in Linden. And feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. I'll get you set up with a VIP meeting. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. The Pelicans are a fast break, get out and run, early hitting team. Uh, we talked about it in the broadcast last night, if you and we talked about it yesterday on the program. That's why hopefully you listen to Locked On Jazz when they in the final twelve seconds of the shot clock, they're below their effective field goal percentage is below fifty percent, but they take about sixty two percent of their shots in the front half of the shot clock. So they, they you know, they, they're going to try to get out. They want to run. That's who they are. That's how they play. Um, and we did a really good job of slowing them down to the best of our ability, considering, and maybe more than anything else, considering the fact that the Jazz had a stretch in that game in which... They didn't have a field goal for over eight minutes, right? 
If you remember that, the, the Jazz went from the 655 mark to about the 10 minute mark, of 655 mark of the first quarter to about the 10 minute mark of the last quarter or the second quarter without a field goal. Well, at some point, these guys are, are, they are running down your throat. Like they're coming at you at a pretty high level. Here's the shot clock data, though, that the Jazz were able to do uh, to the Pelicans last night. So the Pelicans do not play deep into shot clocks, and the Jazz got them to take eight shots in the final four seconds of a shot clock last night. They were two of eight. They don't usually, from four to seven, they don't like to play. The Jazz got the Pelicans. The Pelicans actually were okay. They were five of eight in that setting, which is a little surprising. And then the big one is 7 to 15. That's That means that their initial break didn't work. They get a little amped up a little bit. And there it is. They went 19 of 43 with an effective field goal percentage of 48.8% in that setting. 46% of their possessions were in that realm of 7 to 15 on the shot clock. That's so that you that's what you had to do yesterday was to keep the Pelicans out of those settings and forcing them in out of their fast break settings and have them use which they did last night they used 63 percent of their possessions from 7 to 15 on the clock now that's that's very different for them and that's the jazz doing their work and why it's so important i'll get to in a second but let me contrast it just so you understand the difference between you know the pelicans regularly are use the fifth most fourth fewest amount of possessions zero to four in in the clock that's just not a place that they like to get to they're not comfortable with it they don't have those kind of players and it's why they're not good late in games either because when you suddenly get them late in the game and they you know they don't have the guys that go make those plays and it's why Brandon Ingram's numbers are so bad in that circumstance so the Jazz really were able to get the Pelicans into a game that they're not particularly comfortable, making them play 63% of their possessions in that middle ground of the shot clock. They're regularly a little less, you know, they're regularly in the 50s. Then part two is we have Rudy Gobert. And so when the Pelicans got into that half-court sets and didn't get to play in transition, they averaged 73 points per 100 possessions. That is in the fourth percentile. The Jazz defense last night in the half court was in the 96th percentile of all half court defensive performances this season. And then, so that's the essence of how they won that game last night. How do you win when you're shooting as badly as the Jazz did from three? Eight of 33. How do you win uh, when you go nine minutes without a field goal. You know, they didn't do a great job of keeping him totally out of transition. It wasn't like, and when they were, and when the Pelicans were in transition, they were great. We were terrible. Holy smokes. We try to run. We are the worst, like, I'm over-exaggerating. This is totally the fan of me. Like, we are, we're just not a good transition team. Like, I don't know what it is. Last night, our points per transition were 62.5. 62.5. It's like the one of the worst single performances by a team in transition all year. I don't know why we just, we don't space it right. I don't know. Like it seems fundamental, but running is actually a skill. So nonetheless, we defensively 
First, we kept them. We did a great job as a group team to keep them out of the fast breaks. A lot of it's going to the free throw line, too. We had a lot of free throw attempts. That's important. Two, once we got them in the half court, we were brilliant, and that's because of Rudy. They were 15 of 30 at the rim last night. League average is like 65%, and they were 50% at the rim last night, 15 of 30, because Rudy just absolutely dominated the game around the rim, which is awesome. Forced them into 33 mid-range shots. So, I talk about this all the time. Like, I haven't forgotten my belief in the importance of shot distribution, but last night we forced 34% of their shots were mid-range shots. That They took 27%. I could argue that that, by definition, won the game last night. Their expected field goal percentage compared to what our expected field goal percentage was is is in some ways completely the difference in last night's game. That where we, the, there, we shot, if you look at QSQ, which is expected field goal percentage based on where your shots were, ours was 55 for this second spectrum data. Ours, our field goal percentage was 55%. The Pelicans was 50 so just alone on not how you shot or what you shot, but where you forced shots, and that's what Rudy does. That's what won us the game last night. They shot way better than we did. They shot two percent, one point six percentage below what they should have. We shot six percentage points below our shot quality last night. It's one of our worst shooting nights of the year. We took 40% of our shots as threes. They took 33%. They took 20% of their shots as like long twos. We did a wonderful job of skewing their shot chart. And when you skew someone's shot chart, you win games. Like that's the essence of, of where this all matters and how this all plays is I talk about it all the time. And this is why Rudy's the defensive player of the year. We're the only team in the NBA that is in the top five in defending the rim and top five defending threes. We force the best shot chart in the league because of Rudy won us a game last night. We won by two points. That difference right there is a lot on 55% versus 50% QSQ on 90 shots is a ton. Right? That's that. That's a few points. 4.5, in fact. That wins us the game. That Rudy's presence just on where he's forcing shots wins games and then they shoot 50% at the rim. Like, just give it to Rudy last night. He's just great. It's why, and and the 31 minutes of no Boyan is a really big issue. We really, we just, that was not good last night. Um, but it's why we actually have a chance. Like, you know, we're, we're missing Boyan badly, and we match up against the Clippers. I kind of like us. Not like as though we're going to win that matchup, but just in a at least a battle and, and give us a chance because they keep Rudy near the rim because Rudy's that great. That's what Rudy does. All right, 31 minutes without Boyan Bogdanovich was a problem last night. George Niang played his regular 13 and wasn't great. He was 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, uh, minus 4. Clarkson jumped to 32. It wasn't great. Moutier's 10 was bad. Uh, Clarkson's third quarter was great. His first half was not. Tony Bradley was, Tony. you know, Tony actually Tony's not at a stage, actually, where I think we can expect him to have solid stints both times. His second stint seemed fine. His first stint was not great. Like, that's the kind of the way I look at the way I look at it with with Tony is um, 
is that, you know, so that his game's like 50, like you kind of have a 50-50 chance of what you're getting out of him at this stage of his career. But the other guys were great. Royce O'Neal, 35 minutes, Rudy, 34, Conley, 34, Ingles, 32, Mitchell, 36, I mean, and Clarkson, 32. I mean, that's what we're doing with Boyan's 31 minutes. Emmanuel's going to have to be better than he was last night because his, his first half stint was troublesome. But the rest of the guys were great. In fact, Rudy's plus eight, Conley's plus 12, Ingles plus 11, Donovan was plus seven, and Donovan's being guarded by Drew Holiday, who is just a beast. Oh, my gosh. You know, I had in the data, I think I shared it with yesterday, he guards the number one usage guys, according to Basketball Index, second most of any player in the NBA behind Ben Simmons. Holy smokes, you can see why. His six turnovers offensively weren't great, but defensively, he just was taking the ball from people. I think he ended up with three steals. Obviously, Zion only playing 15 minutes is the big story out of it and what's happening there, and that's a big question mark for them they've got to figure out. But... um. And we've got to figure out how, how we're getting, what we're getting out of it. I mean, we need, George is going to be better than he was. George isn't going to go for six. He's a good shooter. It just didn't, it didn't go for him last night. I thought, you know, I thought he actually defended Zion fine. Zion's just so big and so strong and so great that there's nothing you can do about it. Um, but we're going to have to figure that out. One note last night, just kind of very subtly, by the way, um, our offensive rebounding rate last night was pretty darn good. 29%. Theirs was 33. We knew that. They just fly in on the glass. It was crazy. Uh, but that was a little subtle thing we did last night was hit the offensive glass with 12 offensive rebounds. Tony had three. George had two. Donovan had three. Rudy had two. Conley had one. Ingles. There seemed to be a larger concerted effort for us on the glass last night, which is interesting considering how much they run. So that was... Um, that was. I thought that was a, a an interesting... Um, kind of twist on last night's game what else do I have oh let's talk about the importance of our three pick and roll players and walk through the final five minutes as we continue today's show is brought to you by homie homies revolutionizing the real estate market by not just handing out commissions to real estate agents but instead doing things on fixed rates and saving ton of money to everyone involved with homie there's a lack of knowledge necessarily on how everything works with with um Real estate. In fact, Homie went and did a big research project, and you can check it out at homie.com slash millennials. They went and researched a, a thousand millennial Americans to ask them about real estate. Only 13% felt completely confident that they understand the process of buying or selling a home. 65 said they didn't know that the typical amount of commission paid when selling a home is 6%. Uh, in other words, 18000 on $300,000 home. And 82% were aware that in most states, a real estate license can be obtained with as little as 1.5 weeks of training. There's a bunch of news notes there. They've put together homie.com slash millennials for you to learn more about that. The point is that Homie is selling homes faster than the market. They're selling them for more money than the market. And it's an opportunity for you if you're looking to sell or buy a home to end up in a... Uh, to save a bunch of money. Homie is averaging saving customers about $10,000 per exchange. That's kind of cool. $10,000. So text, um, go ahead and text lock to 88588. That's locked to 88588. And a homie agent will help you every step of the way. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited 
But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, I want to walk through the final five minutes of the game because I thought this was just kind of the essence of who we were and and what we did and, and shows you kind of what makes the Jazz unique, one, Rudy, defensively, and then secondarily, uh, the fact that we have multiple ball pick and roll ball handlers to make plays late in games changes everything. Um, because Drew Holiday last night was so great that there was very little we could do about it. So we're 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 down in this game and, and we as we head to the five minute mark, and we have Conley, we have Donovan, and we have Ingles. And interestingly enough. They have not been very good in all, all three of them at the same time on the floor. So down 97-94, we run a Gobert-Conley pick and roll, and it's not space great. Favors ties up Gobert a little bit, and then Royce comes from the far side on a tight curl. Conley with just a beautiful find, and Royce gets a layup. That, that right there is just a bona fide big-time Mike Conley play knowing exactly what the Jazz offense is, how they want to run things, what they want to do. Uh, it, you know, and, and Royce just showing his ability to cut out the ball and, frankly, Brandon Ingram standing up and missing it. Next play down, we're, we're now down one. We run a high pick and roll. One of the reasons we ran our pick and rolls at higher levels last night was because you're trying to bring favors up. Favors, as good as he is, isn't great if he's got to swivel or move or do some of those kind of things. And, and he's great if he's just back up. So you're running the pick and roll a bit higher. And here's where the multiple pick and roll ball handlers really matter. The Jazz were able to get Brandon Ingram on Donovan Mitchell. Drew Holiday's guarding Mike Conley this time. So instead of having Mike Conley try to deal with Drew Holiday, we run Donovan Mitchell guarded by Brandon Ingram. We run it high. He gets picked off. Donovan comes in, attacking Favors. Beautiful step through. Hangs in the air. Puts it off the window with a really nifty play. But Favors' defense was pretty inconsequential there. Just a really nice play by the Jazz. Taking it, you know, heading down, going at favors understanding pure execution having a game plan on how you attack them in the pick and roll knowing exactly what it is you want to do to them what their strengths and weaknesses are incredible scouting I mean literally um literally what they're you know in that regard when they're when they're talking about um those kind of plays next one is at 318 uh we run a beautiful inbound play there's a doubles pick Drew Holiday fights through both O'Neal and Gobert, and then in the left corner, Donovan catches and draws the foul and gets the three free throws. He hits two of the three. It's another beautiful Quinn Snyder out-of-bounds play. Quinn was just on it last night. Really couldn't have been 
uh, much better in, in, in any of those out-of-bounds plays. And that one, again, just pure out-of-bounds execution, knowing who you are and what you're trying to do. Um, this is just the theme of the final five minutes last night is we know who we are. We're so beautifully prepared by Quinn and his staff. The players are so engaged into it, and they, they know what's going on. Let's go to uh, 199. We're up by one now, 238 left. The play hasn't developed. We have seven on the shot clock. And what do we do? We go find Donovan Mitchell, now guarded by Lonzo Ball. Again, Drew Holiday's on Mike Conley. Multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers give us the ability to do this in a way that other teams don't have it. We can avoid the matchup that we don't want um, in this setup. And favors the pick is set up high above the three-point line. So Lonzo Ball gets knocked off, going above it. Holiday is snuck into this play has to actually bump. He actually bumps Gobert. Conley's wide open for a three. Favors his back. Donovan works. They've got the lane clogged. There's 4.4 seconds on the shot clock. Maybe Donovan's right play is actually to throw it out to Mike. Rudy can't even get past the free throw line, and Donovan just pulls back for a jumper and hits it because he's great. But again, enough space so Donovan knew what to do. Finding Lonzo Ball, who was just awful defensively all game, and absolutely having a game plan in who they are and what they want to do. Redick hits a three. It's 102-102 at this point. This is actually, we're not going to score on this one. This is Mike Conley misses a three, but it's a perfect play. Like a moment ago, I had just said to you, like they're sagging in so high on the pick and roll. Here again, uh, we pick this up with about 12 on the shot clock. Uh, Drew Hall, they've got brand, uh, Drew Holiday is now switched over to Donovan Mitchell. So we now run a two-man game with Joe Ingles and Mike Conley on the right side with Gobert with the ball. Gobert hands the ball to Ingles. Ingram is guarding. We're now going after Ingram. We're going after Alonzo Ball. We're not going after Drew Holiday. Multiple pick-and-roll ball handlers making the difference. Ingles comes off a pick with Gobert. Gobert rolls. Alonzo Ball sucks all the way in. Ingles throws a great pass out to Mike Conley for three. By the way, Joe Ingles is fourth in the NBA at making passes this year to three-point shooters. Conley is just wide, takes a dribble to his right, wide open shot, missed it. It happens. I mean, he just missed it. You know, you're not making 100% of them. But it's a beautiful play, and it's the same concept of all the things that we're talking about here. The irony of this is that on what may be one of the bigger plays of the game, uh, which is Holiday's actually guarding ends up guarding Donovan on that final play to Rudy. I want to take um, one more here. So 102-102, seconds left. This time, Drew Holiday ends up on Joe Ingles for whatever reason, in the midst of a play because we've run a bunch of picks. So now Donovan brings it back out to the NBA logo and trying to bring J.J. Redick into the play to get him. Royce O'Neal sets a pick on Ingram. The Pelicans know they don't want that, so they get kind of caught in the middle of a switch. Donovan crosses over on Ingram in the lane, gets in and draws the foul. Donovan's just great. But again, knowledge of who you are, what matchups you want, getting the right matchup, absolutely fabulous. And then on the final play of the game, uh, where Rudy ends up making the two free throws and a huge... Uh, great pass by Donovan. Donovan, actually, this is where you can do all the game planning you want, but every now and then you just have to be brilliant. Donovan, it's Drew Holiday, and there's nine seconds left, and it's tied at 104, but you want Donovan with the ball, and Drew Holiday makes unbelievable defense on 
Donovan just about fouls him, and Donovan makes a better pass, and he just beat him one-on-one, and that's just being great. But we won that game last night because we know who we are. We have multiple options. We know how to use all of them and put it together. Pretty fun. I did Locked on NBA with Ben Golliver from the bubble, his reaction. So take a second and watch that or listen to that now. Right now, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on NBA. I'll be back with you Monday. We'll play on Saturday. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.